This is an Area Code podcast. Hey guys, welcome to Sweet Tea. It's your girl, Portia Collins. And your other girl, Jasmine Holmes. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the place for delightful conversations about tough topics. It is. And we are excited to be with you today. I'm not excited right now. I'm having a I was about to say, like, but, let's, let's be honest. But, but we about to grind it out. Because <laughs> your girl be doing too much. I be doing too much. I don't and, know anything about that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we two birds of the same feather. Uh-huh. <laughs> deadlines, deadlines everywhere. And not same. a job of sleep. Same, same. Uh-huh. I, I literally, my day just went from... Okay, we're winding down to I am in full-fledged panic mode because I have some obligations that I did not think were going to be as huge of a time commitment. Mm. And they are. And I got to be tough and I got to tough it out. But that should be easy for you because you're a strong black woman. Uh, girl. Right. We can do anything. No. That's what they say. <laughs> That's what they say, girl. <laughs> so if if you haven't guessed yet, guys, that is what our topic is about today. We are talking about the stereotype of strong black women. So and, strong. So black. Right. Go ahead. Open this door. What are our opening thoughts? I mean, we kind of already segued into it just right. with life, what we're dealing with right yeah, now. Yeah, this topic is a really huge one for me right now. Um, because I am writing a book that is in part about Black womanhood. Mm-hmm. And it has enabled me to look at all different kinds of thoughts and perspectives from Black women across time. But really, it's focused a lot on antebellum, post-war, that like 50-year mm-hmm. little span. And one of my very favorite speeches that talks about black womanhood is sojourner truth ain't i a woman, woman. <laughs> See, yeah i know i know, I know her. and i love her so she gave this speech in 1851 at the women's rights convention in ohio mm-hmm. and was just kind of standing up and defending her womanhood in, in front of a room full of, of white people she says That man over there says that women need to be helped into carriages and lifted over ditches and to have the best place everywhere. Nobody ever helps me into carriages or over mud puddles or gives me any best place. And ain't I a woman? Look at me. Look at my arms. I have plowed and planted and gathered into barns and no man can head me. And ain't I a woman? I would work as much and eat as much as a man when I could get it and bear the lash as well. And ain't I a woman? I have borne 13 children and seen most all sold off to slavery. And when I cried out with a mother's grief, none but Jesus heard me. And ain't I a woman? Mm. Mariah Stewart, 
echoes the sentiment in a speech of hers where she's talking about the systematic rape of Black women in the South um, during the antebellum period, but also, yes, again, post-war. And she asks the same question in a different way. She says, you know, you say that women deserve this kind of treatment, but what if I'm a woman? Frederick Douglass talks about it. He talks about the woman whipping religion of the South, where Black women are not seen as valuable as their white counterparts. Nanny Helen Burroughs talks about it. And she talks about how Black women have to bear so much more than their white counterparts. They have to raise their own children, but then they were also raising white children and they had to work and they had to... So there's just this this huge vein going through all of these conversations that, that have taken place in the past about Black womanhood. Malcolm X, you knew I couldn't yeah. go without quoting him. Right. Talks about how Black women are the least respected and yep. the least looked after and the least, I mean, the bottom of every totem right. pole. The least protected yes. person in America is the Black woman. Say it. So, you know, here on Sweet Tea, we don't just like to say things without backing them up, right? We don't just put out commentary without proof. But mm -hmm. I did want to start out kind of talking about this historical reality because it's documented, you know? Right. I, I think that sometimes people get really caught up in this whole, it's like, okay, identity politics, but like, it's like a war against identity politics. It is an identity politic counterattack against identity mm -hmm. politics. <laughs> and right. If you mention the plight of Black women in America, you instantly get pigeonholed into this Yep. Come you on. Know, this liberal left wing. Right. All she care about is race yep. and she can't see nothing else. Mm -hmm. Y'all, I'm sorry for the sarcasm in my voice, but that's what we hear. Yeah. And that that is not true. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I just I so I think it's really important. And one of the reasons why I love the research that I am doing for this book is because I am just seeing that this is not a new conversation and it's not a partisan conversation either. Mm -hmm. Black right. women on both sides of politics, on both sides of these issues have, right. have noticed the same trend. Uh, I'm going to give one more quote. This is from Nanny Helen Burroughs. Right. The Negro woman totes more water, hoes more corn, picks more cotton, washes more clothes, cooks more meals, nurses more babies, Mammies more Nordic, supports more churches, does more race uplifting, serves as mud sills for more climbers, takes more punishment, does more forgiving, gets less protection and appreciation than do the women of any other civilized group in the world. Mm. <laughs> like, I feel that so right. much. I'm, I'm going to tell so you now when we get done, I'm about to copy and paste this whole <laughs> poem on my because that's what I'm feeling right now it's such a hard thing because on the one hand black women do have to have a strength that our counterparts of other ethnicities I'm not going to say don't have because I don't know what it's like to walk mm -hmm. in their shoes but don't right. express right in the same way haven't right. had to express in the same way because right. of the history of our right. nation and because of the history of our context and the way that our strength is expressed often gets people saying things like, oh, wow, Black women are so strong. They mm -hmm. can take so much. 
And part of that is like, thank you. Like, wow, I really right. appreciate that that you mm-hmm. admire me and you think that I can handle things. But the other part of that is like, people thought that black women were made of different stuff than white women, that we're strong because we're just born strong. Right, biologically. Right, it's not hard for us to be strong. Like Sojourner Truth was saying, he mm-hmm. talks about women needing to be lifted into carriages and taken care of and mm-hmm. like caressed and, you know, and she's right. like, okay, am I not a woman? Because right. ain't I a woman? I've never experienced that. I've had to right. work for everything that I've ever gotten. I've had to bow. I've had to scrape. I've had to fight for things that people say that women just deserve by sure nature of being women. So like, where's, where's my, where's my piece of the pie? And again, Mariah mm-hmm. Stewart talking about the rape of black women in the South, which um, the book at the dark end of the street, I think, I believe it's by Daniel Coleman talks about the systematic rape of black women in the South, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. common it was. And right. again, black women are strong. We are seen as mm-hmm. baby factories, you know, in slavery. And then after slavery, we're seen as these highly sexualized, readily available. It's just, there's, there's so many different um, yeah. iterations of this strong black woman stereotype that have just happened throughout history. And yeah. it's hard because, I mean, I was born in 1990. So I've never been a slave. Okay. I right. grew up in upper middle class, Houston, Texas, homeschooled by most accounts, privileged, um, there are things that Sojourner Truth, Mariah Stewart, and Yenny Helen Burroughs and all the rest of them experience that I, by the grace of God, have never had mm-hmm. experience, will probably never have to experience. And so right. me bringing them up is not an effort to at all put myself or my experience on that level. It's to say that when those things come up in my life in different ways, it truly helps me to feel just to, to, right. to be understood, right? To be heard, to be seen. And right. I mean, I just professionally, you know, being the only black woman in, I mean, I've been the only black woman in my work environment for most of my professional life. Mm-hmm. I've been mm-hmm. a teacher for nine years. Only one time did I teach with another black teacher, one time in nine mm-hmm. years for one year. And it was literally one other black teacher, yeah. you know? And the way that parents relate to me, the way that students relate to me, the way that, I mean, I, those things, those things come out and things that students have said to me that I have had to just like stomach, things that have been said to me in parent teacher conferences that I've just had to like take. I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like I feel, feel you i'm sitting here and honestly i am fighting tears right now because i feel this Mm -hmm. you know i ran across an article the other day where the title of the article was quarantine forced me to quit trying to be the strong black woman Mm. and there's a piece in this article where she talks about how black women have faced discrimination in employment mm-hmm. education the judicial system health care like let's not talk about black maternal mortality rates but and let's how... actually really talk about it though we, we are we're gonna go there <laughs> but like literally all of these areas where there have this a wide range of disparities and you know she's she expresses how we are often overlooked and unheard even Mm -hmm. when people are saying oh you're the strong black woman like literally it's a situation of you know the example that she gives here is oh you know you're not feeling well so take some medicine you'll be okay you're stressed and overwhelmed oh you're being dramatic you'll be okay 
You know, you're depressed and discouraged. You're being overly sensitive. Toughen up. You'll be okay. Like when I read that, mm-hmm. Jasmine, I have heard all of those things and it honestly makes you begin to question oh, you your think you're sanity crazy. yes you, or, or or i'm being a baby or this yes and I'm, and it, but then you sit there and you see somebody else mm-hmm. of a different skin color who experiences the same thing and the response that they get is totally different it's like what is wrong with me am i not you know what i, I would really love to write a parallel to sojourner truth's is it a poem? It's a poem, it's right? Speech. It's, it's a speech. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would love to write a parallel to that and say, am I not an image bearer mm-hmm. of God? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I don't feel like an image bearer of God because I'm the strong black woman and I feel like I'm required to bring something different. If somebody else, it's, it's like, I, you know, like these feelings we are feeling the same feelings that so many women before us have felt Mm -hmm. and i don't know about you but that helps me because sometimes i'm just like am i crazy yep i agree that helps me and then having a friend like you helps me because i can come (laughs) to you and say look i'm I'm dealing with this am i tripping like what's the issue Mm -mm. i mean it's a different life it's a different life i my mom i remember i got into it with a friend of mine in high school and she went off on me and just like, you're this, you're that, you're that. Well, I responded in kind. She burst into tears, ran to her parents. I got in trouble. Mm -hmm. She didn't get in trouble because she was Mm -hmm. crying and she Mm -hmm. was really sweet Mm -hmm. and white. And I'm the black girl who is automatically seen as the bully. And it was Mm -hmm. so interesting to me because my mom and my parents, you know, my parents, my parents Mm -hmm. are raised as a social construct, rise above Mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. those are my parents 100 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but my mom looked at me and she was like jasmine something that you're going to learn that it's better for you to learn now is that becky and beth and sally and sue can cry and get sympathy or be angry and be like oh poor poor baby you know it's mm-hmm. a, it's a it's still condescension right it's still hard right. to be a woman okay right. like right but it's totally different than when I do the same thing. Oh, she's angry. She's yeah. mad. She, yeah. She's a bully. Or, or even when I'm sick. You know, I talk about this. I have fibromyalgia. I, this is new for me. I just found out last year. I don't know the ins and outs, but I do know that I feel like crap 90% of the time. And mm-hmm. I'm like pushing through it. But when I express that or when I have bad days, it's almost as if I can't have a bad day sometimes. I I will never forget. I was having a horrible fibromyalgia flare. Um, It was like after I had just gotten the diagnosis. And I just, I was discouraged. I was feeling bad. And this whole, I had someone to approach me 
in such a negative way as if I was the issue. Well, what's mm-hmm. going on with you? You got an attitude. And, I, and if anybody knows me, if you truly know me, having an attitude is probably one. I could be in the worst mood. And I'm not, like, I'm not going to mistreat you. I'm not going to be, you know, I try to be very conscious of how mm-hmm. I come off, you know, just because that's just me. Not even, it has nothing to do with black, white, anything. That's just my personality. Yep. And so I was so, I guess the only thing that I can say is offended by that because it was like, I can't even be sick, man. You know what I'm saying? I can't mm-hmm. even be sick without me having to placate someone else like i gotta be mindful of my facial expressions and my feelings and all of this and mm-hmm. i'm like i'm tired man i'm worn out i remember I'm, i want to share another quick story i remember i recently just left my job as the executive director of a nonprofit. which you know there were beautiful things about the job but there were things that i was struggling with it was mm-hmm. a lot it was overwhelming for me and I often felt it I, like I was positioned to have to pull away from my family life and from mm-hmm. my daughter more than what I wanted. And I remember I had been spending some hours at the office. It was late at night, still trying to grasp the job, things that I didn't know I literally had to teach myself. So I'm spending like till 1030 at night, you know, and I expressed to a counterpart somebody who I guess they're a stakeholder that's how I would put that you know I don't have a problem with working hard I will grind it out like my it's not my work ethic I said but my struggle is right now like I'm having a hard time with not being with my daughter like at the time my daughter wasn't even two yet and I'm like and I'm spending this amount of time and the reply that I got was well it'll do her some good to see that her mama works hard And I'm like, am I crazy? Because no. I've told this to a lot of people. And I'm like, am I crazy no. for feeling some kind of way? Like, so first of all, who says that I got to work to 11 o'clock p.m. for my daughter to yep. know that her mom has a good work ethic? Mm-hmm. Could I not work from 8 to 5 in my home caring for her? Like, it was just a whole, it was condescension, yeah. essentially. This came, this was said to me. From a white woman. This was a white older woman who said this to me. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm tired. And it it just makes me like, what is it about me that you felt like it was okay to even say that? You know, like, does it look like I don't work hard? Like, are you assuming that I'm lazy? Are you assuming that I'm a strong black woman? Right. What is it? I said, hey. You can say hey. Hey. Hey, Wynn. How are you? Mwah. I love you. Yeah. Okay, I'll let you say hey. Don't push buttons. Go. <laughs> Your turn today. Girl, I know, right? <laughs> Philip doesn't know that I'm recording. Oh. You have to ask that at all your questions, buddy. Mama's recording right now. That is right there on the couch. Walk past that on the couch to come in here. And, yeah. That's because you're a strong black woman. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Let me back up because okay. a lot of the stuff that we're saying, I know that some listeners, we probably lost a bunch of people who were just like, well, that's just, how do you know it's because you're a black woman? You know? Yeah. Maybe she could have said that to anybody. 
Yeah. Tell it to me as if I'm the audience. Tell me. Because sometimes I've, I've asked myself that question. Yeah, maybe like, it's just me, you know. Like Maybe I'm just, cra- maybe I'm crazy. Like I was in a parent-teacher conference. This man was so condescending to me that I almost cried. Mm-hmm. Went and talked to coworkers about him. Nobody, nobody had ever had an experience like that with him. And I know not everybody's the same. Wow. But I'm the right. only black woman that works there. Right. I can name some experiences that I had mm-hmm. that are like, you're just living in this race-based world. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's difficult because so much of that experience is internal, right? And it's something that we notice mm-hmm. because we've lived it. Mm-hmm. It was not until I started looking into Black maternal mortality rates that Mm -hmm. I had a literal representation. You had data. I had data. (laughs) I read it and I was like, this describes Mm -hmm. my experience in life. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about the data. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the fact that black women are two and a half times more likely to die in childbirth than any other ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the fact that a study that took place in 2018 showed that black people are less likely to receive pain medication. And when they do, they receive less pain medication than their white counterparts. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the fact that medical students polled in 2018 literally thought that black people had thicker skin, that our blood coagulates faster, Mm -hmm. and that we have a higher pain tolerance than our white counterparts. This is data. Data. This is data. Raw data. I was just listening to a podcast today about J. Marion Sims. Yes. So he is the father of gynecology and Mm -hmm. he did amazing work in treating vaginal fistulas. I'm not going to get into what a vaginal fistula is. Suffice to say, you don't want it. You don't want it. Let me Google. I mean, if you want to talk, look, if you want to talk birth, or with me, I will go there with you at any time, but I just feel like maybe this is not the time to get into it. But suffice it to say, he had three slave women that he did mm-hmm. extensive gynecological surgery on without anesthesia and mm-hmm. without their consent. One woman, he did the surgery on her 30 times. Oh, in wow. three years wow. he perfected it he also did surgery on black babies so black babies were getting tetanus in their umbilical stumps after they were born and nobody could figure out why it was in hindsight it's because of the living conditions of slaves made them very susceptible to getting tetanus mm-hmm. from their umbilical stump after they were born it was hard to keep it sterile So he did all these experiments because he was sure that it was because black people's skulls are shaped differently than white people's skulls. So he tried to like correct their skulls, 0% survival rate on the skull correction. Oh my goodness, man. Just like a monstrous man. Like we, science projects or something. Anyway, so he Mm -hmm. thought that black women did not experience pain at the same rate as white women, which... A lot of doctors thought back then, but they also thought that black women were more dramatic than white women. So put those two things together. You think that somebody doesn't experience pain at the same rate as somebody else. And you also think 
that when they cry out in pain, they're more likely to be being dramatic than the other person. It's a no-win situation. It's a no-win situation because they're <laughs> crying out in pain and they're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you know, she's black. And I, the whole time we were opening up the show, I was just like, I know, I'm reading these quotes from the 19th century and people are going to be like, yeah, but things are different now. I'm reading them, talking about my experience. People are going to say, yeah, but that's just your experience. Okay, here's some hard data. People still think like this in the medical community. And if a person who went to medical school, some of the most intelligent people that our communities have to offer mm-hmm. believe these lies because okay. it's that deep it's wow. that deep it, but you know what it's not far-fetched no. for me to like there are a lot of intelligent people who are steep really what it is it's being indoctrinated oh no if you say indoctrinated that sounds like something systemic We don't believe in systemic issues. We believe in person-by-person issues. So each individual doctor who thinks this is a dirty, rotten racist, and they're the problem, not the system that educated them. Come on, Portia. Mm -hmm. Come on, girl. (laughs) Whereas I think that my my thoughts are more gracious. My thoughts Mm -hmm. are, look, they're steeped in a medical establishment that has undervalued Black bodies. They're working uphill to overcome those prejudices. Mm -hmm. And we need to work harder. Mm-hmm. Somebody else who does not think that it's systemic literally just thinks that all the people polled are just like terrible racist people who just want to not serve black people who just, right. just want us to die in childbirth. Or well, she doesn't <laughs> take care of herself or right. she needs to lose weight. And I'm like, that's not true because. Okay, let's talk about the BMI. Let's talk about the BMI. Girl, you can take the BMI and throw it out the uh, <laughs> W-I-N-D-O-W. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. <laughs> I stopped looking at the BMI a long time ago. Up the racist history of the BMI and the body type and the fact that like, yeah, girl, don't get started. <laughs> don't get me started. Like the medical establishment is just not, yeah, it's not made for us. Right. And there are people doing the work like mm-hmm. my OB, Charlene Collier, mm-hmm. shout out UMC here in Mississippi. There are people out here doing the work. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake. Right. But they're doing the work because they realize there's work to be done. Absolutely. They're actually acknowledging that there is an issue. Yes, mm-hmm. she's working to help black women breastfeed more. Why don't we breastfeed mm-hmm. as often? Well, because a lot more of us work after we have a baby. Right. Right. Ugh. Brilliant, wonderful, wonderful woman. Watched mm-hmm. after me so well in labor and delivery. Better than any black woman who I have talked to who has experienced labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. of more than one child has mm-hmm. at least one traumatic story of the medical establishment not listening to her yeah i only have one child one you know living child yeah and it was an incredibly traumatic story like ah girl that's another topic for another day but like I, what made me think about this i ran across a post like on instagram somewhere young lady young you know not obese <laughs> You know, a physician herself, like she was in her second year of med school who died, you know, from preeclampsia. Like she was like, which is very treatable. Absolutely. Very treatable. But the problem is by the time somebody actually realizes that we not playing and we not overeating and this is like fluid on my body. And by the time somebody realizes it, 
sometimes it's too late. I was I was in that situation. You you will not believe how many people saw me. I really wish I could give you guys a visual, but I did not look like myself. I gained like 15 pounds in like less than two weeks. I wasn't eating that much, fam. And they were just that like, was, you, couldn't, you couldn't eat. You were sick. Right? If, exactly. You remember. Had remember. Remember. <laughs> yes. You yes. should have been losing weight. As often as yes. you were sick, you should have been losing yes. weight. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, I, I just, it frustrated me so because I guess I think about all the women who have died from yeah. this. Think about who is it? Judge Hatchet. It was it her daughter. Yes, it's her daughter because her son-in-law is the one who is like doing all the filing charges and things like that now because she died with something that very well could have been treated, but nobody listened. No Same more. thing could have happened to Serena Williams. Like, I have so many friends. Right. People who are fit, who are healthy, health conscious. Yes. So it's not that we're eating bad or that we're doing X, Y, and Z that makes us more susceptible. There is a problem. I mean, I, I'm, I'm eating bad, but you're probably not eating bad. What? Well, I mean, I kind of eat bad occasionally, but yeah, I'm that's beside the point. Right that <laughs> but <laughs> when I chose a black doctor because, mm-hmm. because of, Mm-hmm. these numbers and right. these numbers gave a reality and a fullness to my everyday lived experience where it's like people think that I'm more dramatic and they think that when I say that I'm bothered by something then I'm just like it's it's just a little thing she can handle it or right. when I'm you know having a bad parent teacher conference and a parent is being a little bit on the emotional abusive side mm-hmm. uh, it's just Jasmine you know, it's just her. She just, she, she brings that out. Right. And instead of people taking me seriously, which is hard, it's hard. It's hard to be, I think that's why a lot of black women are like, don't call me strong. Cause that's just mm-hmm. an excuse for you to treat me. Right. Like I'm not a woman. Like right. I don't have a tender parts of me that need to be protected. Like right. my strength is an excuse for you right. not to love me tenderly. And I'm over it. Right. So I want to land the plane Mm -hmm. in a place of redemption because a lot of conversation about you know black womanhood in america can be just hard to take it is i can give you so many titles of so many portia today was like i'm gonna go out and buy whatever book i was like portia you know i have that book calm down i have all the (laughs) books all the books on black womanhood i like I want to know. I want to understand. I want to read. Mildred D. Taylor was the first author that I ever read that Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to write for the rest of my life and was a black woman. And ever since then, I'm just like, give me the stories of black women because I want to know. I want to understand. I want to inhabit. And I want to just. And so ending this in a place of hope, I think, is staring bitterness in the face Mm -hmm. because bitterness can be such a response to just feeling overlooked and feeling like too much of a burden is being put on your shoulders and and mm-hmm. feeling like the rules are different for you you know it can it can go into this really helpless spiraling place and mm-hmm. what i've learned is that this life is so temporary and the treatment that I experience on earth is so temporary. Come on, girl. Point me to Jesus. I just, 
I got to, because otherwise I'm just going to walk around discouraged all the time with my butt on my shoulders because it's just hard. Yep. And it's, it's so helpful to just look in. Okay. Look in the word of God. Mm -hmm. Look at these black women that just kind of crop up in the old Testament every once in a while. You can't tell me before I wasn't black. I ain't going to hear it from you. She black. (laughs) You can't tell me Ruth wasn't black. I ain't about to hear it from you. She's black. (laughs) Just let me have this. No, but like, even if they weren't black women, they Mm -hmm. were minority women in the Jewish context who God showed and used in such mighty ways. Like the law specifically prohibits Moabites from taking part in certain rituals. Like Israelites saw Moabites as just like scum, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. they were in the land that needed to be possessed. They needed to push out and have their own boundaries. And then you have Ruth Mm -hmm. who comes to Israel, says, your God is my God. Your people are my people gets married and is in the family line of Christ. Right. You have Rahab, not a Jewish woman. Maybe not a black woman. Okay, fine. But not a Jewish woman. Right. Again, brought into the fold. You have Zipporah, not a Jewish woman. Right. Who circumcises her sons in radical and immediate obedience to Christ. There's all of these women that Christ, like the Samaritan woman, not Mm -hmm. a black woman. In Mm -hmm. case people need to know, I was just joking. I don't know what the ethnicity of these women were. I'm just not minority women in the scripture. Women who didn't look like everybody else. Right. The Samaritan woman who probably looked more like a Jewish woman, but still she wasn't treated like one. Yeah, still seen as an outsider. <laughs> like there's so many women in the word who could have experienced that kind of treatment who God just elevates over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And so many women in history just, you know, Nanny Helen Burroughs, Mariah Stewart, Jarena Lee, Amanda mm-hmm. Mary Smith. Like there's so many women yes. throughout history that God has just elevated and used and poured into in spite of all of the tropes and all of the nonsense and all of the stereotypes i mean he (laughs) he works he works he is not stopped by Mm -hmm. any of these things so if you listen to this podcast and you hear me and portia is like oh we're so sorry for ourselves what is me i don't know what podcast you're listening to because i don't feel right myself Cause we ain't. I feel like for you, if you think that black women are just supposed to be stronger than everybody else, and you don't right. see the tenderness and femininity of black women, I feel bad for you. And sometimes yes, it's hard for me, but I don't feel sorry for myself because exactly. I know who I am. Really, <laughs> with this, you get a what. What we're doing is honestly, it's a level of vulnerability mm-hmm. for us because we're opening up. A conversation that you and I would probably in any other instance have it privately because sometimes we don't feel like there are safe places to just sit and talk but this is not don't don't get it twisted this is not a whiny whiny woe is me type conversation we're doing this to educate so that you'll see so that you can hear from two women who are black women but are sisters in Christ yep you know and so we hope that you hear that and that you don't take everything that you've heard previously and put so much weight on that that you miss what we're actually saying. Right. It's important that you actually hear us. Don't just listen. I think about the older people. So, you know, 
are you listening but are you really hearing me you know? yes. <laughs> that's what they say like are you are you really hearing what we're saying because we don't feel sorry for ourselves no. at all and one of the biggest blessings that god has given me in this strong black woman struggle is he has given me a strong black husband come on girl. he is my shelter mm-hmm. he is my shelter and no matter mm-hmm. how the world treats me i have a man in my life who treats me like i'm tender who treats me like i'm worthy of protection Right. Who treats me with so much affection, who takes my pain seriously, Mm -hmm. who takes my bad day at work where I really do feel like maybe I was being discriminated against by Mm -hmm. a parent or a student or whatever situation, who takes that seriously and who loves me well. I praise God God for that. I praise God for that. You know, since we're giving shout outs to people who because God has blessed us with people in our Mm -hmm. lives where that's a place where it's like, this is my safe space. Yeah, they should. I think about my mama. My mama is I can come to my mom. And and here's the thing. She understands. But it's almost like, okay, you got one day. I used to (laughs) date a guy that say you got one day to cry in your beer. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) One day to cry in your beer. Then you're going to get up and we're going to keep it moving. Yeah. And that's kind of how my mama is. It's like she really, uh, she understands and she sympathizes, especially as a black woman. Mm-hmm. But also she does a very good job of redirecting me back toward, um, okay, and you we're going to get up and we're going to keep rolling. Right. You know like, what I'm saying? We're yeah, going to keep, keep you down. We're going to re- keep this faith in the Lord, Absolutely. you know? And so, um I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm not alone. Yes. And that's, that's another, like, so two ways, two practical ways to stave off bitterness, to understand that we are created in God's image, that he chose the skin that we're in, chose the unique struggles that we experience, and they are made to bring us closer to him. Mm -hmm. So I'm black on purpose. Or Come as on, I say, girl. I'm black and it's good. Like that's a that's black. a t-shirt. It's yeah, yeah, it's like we, some t-shirts. Black is one of the things that God created. He created Adam and Eve with all of the genetic possibility in the world, like all of the genetic possibility for every ethnicity in the world. And He said, mm-hmm. "It is good. It is good." Let those genes keep on doing their gene thing because that's what I made them to do. So that means <laughs> that my blackness. It's intentional. It's good. It's intentional. It is. it is intentional. And so seeing that, okay, and also just having having a safe space in Portia, and not just my black yes. friends. I have some white friends that I'll talk to, Same. and they, they will listen. They'll be like, okay, Jasmine, you're not crazy. Shout out to my girl, Elizabeth. Look. <laughs> Louise, if you're listening. <laughs> Louise. <laughs> Louise, if you're listening. Because even to just say, to look me in the eye and say, you know what, Jasmine, I actually do, I don't experience life like that. You're not crazy. Mm-hmm. It helps so right. much. It helps right. so much. And then right. also my black friends, there's something just about being surrounded by black women who love Jesus where I'm just like, you yes. get me? <laughs> yes, you understand. But then you still going to give me that good grounding of the yes. word. and you go, You're not going to sit here and let me just wallow into... No. a pool of bitterness and you know and here's the thing i don't think people understand culturally the way that we relate to one another is so different than the way that my white friends relate to one another because mm-hmm. culturally black america has been through so much that <laughs> so we do not have time for bs right <laughs> we're just like you know what right <laughs> 
Look, I could you not know a, a girl from a can of paint, but if I'm in a room hey. and I see another, and, it, and it's just me and her, hey, girl. Girl, I'm like, girl, you're tripping. I mean, look, I somebody be like, listen, it has been situations where I've met people. I literally will have known them for a couple of hours, but we, we be just hooping it up, chopping it up, and somebody else will come along and be like, oh, y'all came here together. No, we no, just met. But don't know her. <laughs> I don't know her. Philip talks about me all the time because I like see black women in public and I'm always like ever I scope like everywhere I go. I'm like, let me find your sister so I can compliment her. I'll be like, I love your hair. I love your shoes. I love it. And Philip is like, why do you do that everywhere we go? I'm like, because we need to hear it. And I am so happy to be the person to say it. You are you are beautiful. We'll yep. talk about beauty standards another time. But like you, right. <laughs> you are beautiful. Right. You are worthy because right. You are made in the image of God. Like you're worthy of dignity and respect. You're made in the image of God. And I just, I don't know how else to wrap this up except to say that um, Sacramento is the capital of California. (laughs) Olympia is the capital of Washington. And Salem is the capital of Oregon. I just wanted to get that whole little like West Coast. And whatever. Squared away for us. We want everybody to think that we know all the capitals. No, you know all the capitals. <laughs> I don't know all the capitals. <laughs> so, as you can see, guys, you are not getting an election episode from us before oh, the election. No, we, no, ma'am. We, <laughs> we will possibly do a recap after yeah. we find out. Because yeah. by the time that you hear our next episode, it will uh, happen. Yeah, we will know who our new I think you've noticed neither of us has come out on Twitter and, and talked about a specific candidate. Nope, we have not. Nope. Even though people have tried to box me in oh with gosh, a specific people candidate. Are just, people are aggravating me with that. They're just like, well, yeah, yeah. it's not going to happen. So if you want political like, updates, like I'm, there are lots of podcasts there that are going to yep. But this ain't that. And that's one thing that Portia and I are really committed to. Sweet Tea is about having conversations and letting conversations take us where they're going to take us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to try to be anybody that we're not. Absolutely. So if you're going to look for, we're not going to try to be political commentators because we're not political commentators. We're not. we not going to have an episode about the eternal subordination of the sun because we are not a theological podcast. So, they, you know, when you guys are thinking about episodes and stuff, like I think that there's a there's a tendency to like want everybody to be everything. And we, listen, I just want to tell y'all, I mean, I got a level of intelligence, but I ain't trying to be like, I don't want to know everything. I'm not omniscient, you know what I'm saying? So... I have my areas where I feel like God has gifted me with some wisdom and I'm going to share that in areas that I don't. And I feel like other people do it better than me. I'm going to push you that away, you know? Yeah. Now I throw out a little political commentary every now and then just simply because it's been mildly of interest to of me. Course. And I mean, but in terms of that, just being my, that's not something I want to talk about all the time. That's just really not right now. I'm tired. All right, guys. I guess this is so long. Farewell to you, my friends. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh my gosh! Until, Until we meet again. <laughs> if you don't know what it is, I need you to Google the lyrics get and get on it. Right. it.
Sweet Tea is a podcast produced by the Area Code Network. To learn more, please visit www.areacodenetwork.com. You just, wow, unlock a deep memory. Stay, stay tender, Black women. You don't have to be strong. Christ is strong. You be tender. Come on, about to throw my shoe. Who ain't speaking tongues? All right. <laughs> this is an Area Code podcast.